You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Stephen Yi. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I want to welcome you. Welcome to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for coming to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ together. Uh, it is truly is always a highlight of my week to come together uh, to study God's Word, to sing songs of praise to God uh, with you, my church family. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I do want to just touch briefly on some announcements because they're very important and I want to make sure they are clear and, and everybody knows uh, the dates uh, of what's coming up. Uh, there, uh, our business meeting, we're going to be having a, a church-wide business meeting next Sunday. All right, so please come and participate. If you are a member uh, of Northwest Chinese Baptist Church, we would love to have you. God is doing so many things. God is working in so many different ways. Uh, we encourage you, come, and let's talk about God's business. Not the business of Northwest, but God's business. And uh, uh, let's continue to serve together and pray and, and celebrate what God is doing. That's next Sunday. Uh, there has been a change to our prayer meeting, our church-wide prayer and planning meeting. All right, originally it was going to be January 14th. But then I realized that that's a kind of, people might be traveling that weekend, and, and maybe a better week for that is going to be February 4th. And if you look at your bulletin, it's listed there, uh, upcoming events. If you guys always, if you grab a bulletin each week, make sure to just take note uh, of the announcements that are there, um, because that's simply what I'm sharing today. Um, so please keep that in mind. Come, I really, I'm praying that... All of you come and, and make it a priority to participate in this prayer and planning meeting on February 4th, all right? Uh, you also know that, well, if you, in regards to our offering and our giving, um, to make sure that you receive your end-of-the-year statement, please fill out a form. Uh, there's a form in the back there. Uh, there's also a QR code to fill it out online so that we have the correct information to get you your important tax information, all right, about your, your giving. Uh, so please make a point to fill that out. It would help us tremendously. Uh, and the, and last, well, the last thing I want to announce, we are going to have a church t-shirt, and we are making one for every single one of you. Now, I know that we are not all the same size. We cannot all be in as good a shape as Deacon Eddie on the screen here. But if you would, take a moment after the service to go out there. There's a table outside, and there's some shirts hanging. Please do not take the shirt, okay? This is, it's simply to help you know what size to choose. Please, uh, if you can and are able to, scan the QR code outside, and you can put your order in. Uh, electronically, but if you are not able to use a phone or electronic device, there is a paper form that you can fill out 
and drop in the basket that's there on the table. Uh, but here's the thing. We want to provide a shirt for every single person. And uh, just to let you know, though, if you desire and feel led to, uh, we are also happy to accept any donations. Uh, these shirts are about $8, so if you feel led, you can help offset the cost. Not today, but, um, uh, but we want you to know we're going to, we want to provide a shirt for each person and each, each family member that is a part of our church. Okay, I'm not talking about cousins that live in 20 different states, but please <laughs> fill out your form according to your family's sizes and needs or according to your individual sizes. And uh, I'm really excited about having a shirt and um, uh, us being able to not only represent through our lives and our actions and words, but also through a shirt <laughs> as we go about our daily lives. So uh, I want to say a special thank you to Ling, uh, Ling Tan for helping us uh, design uh, this shirt. And thank you to Deacon Eddie for being our model. Uh, I'm just joking, all right? Deacon Eddie's in better shape than the model. <laughs> and uh, I do just want to share this, all right? Um, most of you that, that have children in our children's ministry, you received an email this week. I just want to just be open with all of you and let you know what's going on uh, with our children's ministry as well. God is doing great things. Um, but uh, as we always encourage each one of us, we follow God's lead and we go where God is leading us. And, and some of you who don't have children in our, our children's ministry didn't get the email um, that said uh, both of our children's directors are, are stepping down, you know, uh, Stephanie uh, our co-director, she's stepping down, and, and Nui, our other co-director for children's ministry, is taking a sabbatical, is taking a break uh, for the next six months, and, and at the end of the, starting at the end of January. And so I just want to share that with you so that you guys can be in prayer. And the leadership, the deacons and pastors and personnel committee will be meeting in the, in, in the next days and weeks uh, to, to seek God's will and to seek God's guidance to how God will provide for the children's ministry here. And so I just wanted to share that with you. We'll provide more information as, as we meet and talk and gather more information. But I just wanted to let you know so that if you have questions, uh, you can maybe, you, you're always welcome to talk with me um, or talk to them directly. But uh, I just want you to know that more information will be available uh, as, we, as we meet and talk more uh, with everyone, okay? And so there's no uh, health emergencies or anything like that. We just want you to know it's just something that, that God has led uh, both of them to. And so um, thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you so much for your understanding. Uh, but it brings me to the topic for today. How many of you have a question that you would like an answer to today? <laughs> Anyone? Who, how many of you have a question that you would like an answer to today? few of us. I know every time I ask these questions, only a few people raise their hand. I know all of you have some kind of question, even if it's a question about what I just shared about today. That's part of how God has created us, part of how we're wired. All of us have questions. And when I think about having questions and, and giving answers, I think about being a parent. I think about my own four children. And I am just bombarded with questions constantly, especially from our youngest, Lydia, every day. 
And uh, I just think back uh, and try to remember all the different questions that I'm being asked all through the years and even currently questions from what are we eating today, what's for dinner, questions uh, what do I, uh, how do I do this thing, this project, or how can, I, can you help me with this project, uh, mom and dad, to dad, where do babies come from? We've answered all of them <laughs> at each appropriate age level in each in a different way. But have you, have you ever wondered or asked yourself the question about why you are alive? It's a question about your existence. Have you, have you ever asked yourself, does your life matter at all? That's a question about your significance. Have you ever asked yourself a question about intention? Have you ever asked yourself or thought about what is my purpose? You know, these questions are essential. They're essential to life. Why I'm alive? Does my life matter? What is my purpose? And I want you to know in these next two months, we are going to focus in and look into God's purpose for our lives. We're going to answer some of these questions today. And so there's three truths that I want to just start off with. I want to just share with you. There's so many truths that are outlined in God's Word, the Bible, that God tells us. But I want to just present three of them to you right now before we talk about one of the purposes, God-given purposes for your life. There's three truths that I want to share with you before that. The first truth is this. God loves you. God loves you. Why are you here today? Why are you alive? Why do you exist? It's because God loves you. Now, there are many scripture verses I could share with you, but I'm going to share with you at least two verses for each of these truths. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And before I share the next verse, can you just pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we praise you. You are God Almighty. You're the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are in complete control of all things at all times. And God, we recognize how great, how glorious you are when we take a moment this morning as we sing these songs, as we take time to talk with you, we are reminded of how great you are and we are in awe of you. God, we thank you for today. I thank you for this beautiful day that we can gather together to worship you, that we can gather to worship you in spirit, to worship you in truth. And God, I pray that today you would open eyes, you would open our eyes, open our hearts to the truth of your word, to the reality of your presence. I, God, I ask that you would help us to hear you and to see you and to, to know what it is that you are leading us to do, to know what it is that you are trying to teach us that today you would help us to start this journey on learning about the purpose you have for our lives. God, thank you for being so good to us and for providing in so many different ways, in every way. And God, I pray, uh, I know that all of us have needs. All of us have questions in this life. I pray, God, that we would look to you for answers. God, I pray that we would look to your word, that we would find encouragement and help and peace.
peace. God, I pray that we would look to you and run to you, God, knowing that, that you care for us. You love us more than we could ever understand. God, you have a plan, and you're going to finish your plan. And God, thank you, God, that we can find hope and help. We can find eternal life in Jesus Christ, your son, through, by grace through faith. God, thank you for today. Thank you for each person here joining us in person and those that are watching online. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 3, verse 16, you all know it, right? For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why did he send his one and only son to die on the cross to provide uh, uh, to pay the price for our greatest need. That's the, the penalty of our sin. Why did God do that? Because he loves you and me. That's why you are alive. That's why I am alive, because God loves you. And yes, this passage, this verse talks about his desire to save you from your sin. He did so because he loves you. And that's, you see that motivation of love throughout all of Scripture. If you take the time to study it, from the table of contents to maps, you will see throughout God's word, from the first book to the last book, you will see God's love. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, right? Talking about saving us and cleansing us from all of our sin. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. See, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church and explaining why God chose us and how he chose us and when he chose us, before creation, before history, right? Before we were even born or conceived, God planned for us and he knew about us, he cared about us, and he loved us. And not only that, but again, an example of his love. What did, how did he show his love? Yes, he saved us, that we would be blameless and holy, set apart for him alone. But what did he do? He planned, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. All right, now before you say, oh, God is sexist, we have to look at the context here. Sonship means, and in that historical context, the, the, the first son, the son in the family had highest honor and received the greatest inheritance. And that's how God describes each one of us as his children. Male and female, we are like that first son with the greatest inheritance, with greatest honor, with greatest position. He, God, predestined us to be a part of his family according to what? His pleasure and his will. That means he planned and that he's happy. It gives him great joy to adopt you and I as his children. God loves you. Isaiah 54.10. And that's, I don't have this on the screen, but I, threw, I added this one in here. Isaiah, you can write it down, Isaiah 54.10. Yeah, I wanted to give an example of, of God's word from the New Testament and the Old Testament just to prove again, to give more evidence from the beginning to the end of God's word. He, we should understand and get to know that God loves you. Isaiah 54, the Isaiah the prophet, he wrote this, right? Isaiah 54, verse 10, 
Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love, God says, my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. My unfailing love. He will fulfill his promises. He will make good on the covenant that he made with his people, says the Lord. Why? Because he loves you. Because he has compassion on you. God loves you. Second truth is this. God created you for eternity. Now, we could spend days and weeks and years learning about just these truths alone, but I'm just briefly mentioning them, presenting them to you this morning because they are important about what we're going to talk about and focus in on. The second truth is this. God created you for eternity. God created you for eternity, not just your life here on this earth. Isaiah, back to the prophet Isaiah, chapter 44, verse 2. This is what the Lord says, he who made you, who formed you in the womb and who will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. He's speaking to the nation of Israel, right? Speaking to Jacob, telling him, do not be afraid for I made you, I formed you in the womb, I will help you, I have a plan for you, I will provide for you, because why? Because I love you. The Apostle Paul again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. God created you for eternity. He's preparing a place for you to be with him for the rest of forever. Life is not just about here on this earth. Third truth is this, as you get to know God, you find your purpose. If you want to find your purpose in life, get to know God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You want to know your purpose. We see, right, all things are created in him, through him, and for him, talking about God. And so if you want to know why you're here, then go to God. Look to God's word. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Again, we see plan, predestined, working out everything, conforming to his will. God's will. And if you want to know the purpose of your life, you either have to do what? If, you, if we believe that God created us and he knows why he created us, then what do we need to do? Well, we either need to talk to him. I, okay, that's going to be kind of difficult. But you can, we can talk to him. We can pray. But it's not like he's standing here right now talking to me audibly. We can either talk to him, talk to the creator, if you don't believe that God is your creator, then what? Where are you going to find the answer? You want to find your origin, right? 
You want to go find it and talk to it or, or find information about it. Or you're going to want to find and look at his word that has been given to you, right? The Bible. Talking about the Bible. You want to either, you're going to want to go to God and you're going to want to go to his word. Because the truth is you were made by God and you were made for God. And until we understand this truth, then life is not going to make sense. You're going to search your whole life for answers and you will never find them unless you go to God, unless you go to his word. What is God's purpose for your life? Well, we're going to start with one of them. Right? And the, that's the title of our message and our sermon, our study today. I want us to know, I want you to know, dear friends, that you were created to worship God. And if you like to fill in blanks, please fill them in. Purpose number one, you were created to worship God. And, and again, we're on this journey to, to find out and to study about God's purpose for you. And the reason I want to share this with you, and I felt led to share this with you, because as we are starting this new year, it is my prayer that we grow as, as a church, that we grow as followers of Jesus. That what, and what do I mean when I say grow? I, I pray that we grow in maturity. We grow in the likeness of Jesus. We grow to do the things that he created us to do. And as we live our lives surrendered to him in trust and obedience to Jesus Christ, I look forward and I'm excited about the great things that God will continue to do in and through you, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. And so how appropriate I believe it is to focus in then what is it, God, that you have created us for? And the first thing that he created us for is to worship him. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I don't think I put it on the slides, but it's our main passage here. And it's on your outlines there in your, in your program. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul writes this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, the Apostle Paul is, is writing this, and what is he saying? Just to summarize it, he, in light of the reality of God's mercy, right? What is mercy? It's God's love. It's God's loving kindness. Paul is saying live for him. Live a life set apart for God alone. Prioritize God. Give him first place in your life. Follow him. Look to his word. Look to his promises and his commands. Seek to trust him and obey him. And then Paul says, this is your true and proper worship. This is what worship is. It's to live your life for God. Worship is not just singing a song. It's not just coming to, to the church facility once a week. It includes singing. Worship includes gathering together as God's people, as the family and the body of Christ. But it's so much more. And here's the thing I want us to know about worship. Worship, when I live for God, my life is worship to God. 
Our lives are worship to God. When you live for God, your life will point to His greatness and to His glory. Paul is saying, don't fall for the temptation to live the unsatisfying and, and, and temporary. Don't spend your life seeking the temporary and unsatisfying things of this world. But instead, be changed. Be transformed. We need a change uh, of our thinking. Uh, we need a transformation of our heart. And that's what Paul's saying. Be changed. Be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, right? Only Jesus can do that. And I want you to know, if anyone here has a question about change and when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen, and maybe you're looking for change in your own life, I want you to know that only Jesus can change things. Only Jesus can change our, my thinking. Only Jesus can transform my heart and your heart. And here's the thing. We have assurance of change. I want you to know this. You have assurance of change. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, you can know that he will give you a new life, that he will change you from the inside out, that you will be forgiven of your sins, that you can have the hope and the joy and the promise of eternal life with him. Right, and that, when you put your faith in Jesus, then you will be able to know his will. You will be able to know his purpose for you, his plan. And so what is God's purpose for you? You were created to worship God. What is, what is worship? And I, I listed a definition there for you, and it's up here on the screen. Worship really is my response to God. It's your response to God. It's the act of pointing to His greatness in everything that you do. And you can literally think of, when we look at the word worship, you can think of the word worship as worth-ship. Showing God's worth, pointing to God's worth, pointing to His greatness and pointing to His glory. That's what worship is. And so let's dig into this a little further. What it means to worship God. Number one, worship is focusing my attention on God. Worship is focusing my attention on God. Look back again at the Old Testament, at the prophet Isaiah and what he writes here. In, in Isaiah 6, chapter 6, verse 3. And, and again, for each of these truths, I want to share an Old Testament scripture and a New Testament scripture. Isaiah 6, verse 3. Isaiah describes what he saw as God gave him a glimpse of being in his presence. And there was a host of angels. And in verse 3 he says, And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. We sang the song, holy, holy, holy. Think about that scene. Think about this. Try to paint an image in your mind of angels, a host of angels gathered together in the presence of God, focused all on the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all in full control. The angels gazed, fixed, on God, and their only way to respond is to cry out, to sing, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. See, have you, have you ever seen something that you couldn't help but tell every single person that you could possibly tell? Anybody? 
ever had some news or found something out that you couldn't possibly keep to yourself? You guys have all done that in good ways and bad ways. This happened the week before Christmas for me. And I sadly to say it wasn't, I was, I'm not talking about how I shared Jesus with everybody. Uh, you remember, some of you that were here, that Sunday, I exclaimed from the pulpit that fries had a sale on ribeye roast for $4.97 a pound. I bought one. And then only to find out that the next day, or a couple days after, Safeway had a sale on ribeye roast for $3.97 a pound. And both times, I told everybody. If I didn't tell you, I apologize. The angels in the presence of God cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and all you're thinking about is ribeye roast. But think about the Lord. See, when you set your focus on God, you will see that He is good. You will know that He is great, and your, your life Everything about you, right? When you find out something that's so wonderful or so great, that's so worth it, you cannot help. Your life is changed. How you think, what you think about, when you think about it, what you do, the decisions that you make, it changes everything. When you know that he's good, when you know that he's great, when you know that, that he loves you, when you focus on him, then your life begins to point to him. Whatever it is that you prioritize in your life, your life is going to point to it, believe it or not. Whatever you say really doesn't matter. It's really about what you do. And yes, your words do matter because they go along with what's in your heart. And so whatever it is that really has a hold, first place in your heart, your life will show it. And can you imagine us, Northwest, my dear family, if all of us, prioritize worshiping God and our lives show the greatness and the glory of God. Can you imagine the difference that all of us can make? John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in, in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. See, what is God teaching us here about worship? Worship is a spiritual act. Did you know that? It's not just about waking up early and showing up here and placing your bottom in this nice cozy seat. It's a spiritual act. That means that's like at your very core, your intent, your desire is to point to God's greatness when you come here. I pray that we grow as a church that worships God in spirit and in truth, that we don't just attend, but that we come to worship God. It's not about checking the boxes. I pray that the reason you're here is not because you feel obligated, not because you feel guilty but because you've caught a glimpse of how great God is. And that's why you want to come together, because you want to worship Him, and it's such a joy. Why do we gather together as family during holidays and special occasions? Because we want to see each other. We want to see the people that we love, and we want to share that experience with the people that we care most about. Why do we gather together and worship to God? Because we love each other, and we want to share this experience, and we want to worship God together.
Are you worshiping God? Worship is focusing your attention on God. And secondly, worship is expressing your affection to God. You know, the book of Hosea, if you ever get a chance, I recommend that you read through it and study it. God called Hosea to marry an unfaithful wife. God already knew this wife would be unfaithful, and really this wife was a prostitute. But yet God called Hosea to marry. He planned and prepared for Hosea to marry this woman. And really, as you read through this, there's an illustration that God is giving uh, of his own very people, the church, his nation, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, and how time after time they continue to be unfaithful to him by worshiping idols instead of worshiping the one and only living God. And that's what Hosea talks about in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. God says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. See, the book of Hosea is an example of God's unending, unconditional love for his people, a people who had turned away and worshiped idols, just as I mentioned before. God is saying, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. And that's another way that we can define worship. Worship is to know and to love God. You look at Luke chapter 10, verses 26 through 28. What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Do we see a theme here? You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. You want to know how to love somebody? you want to know or experience what true love is, then I encourage you, dear friend, get to know how God loves you. Get to know what God says about love. Get to know how God demonstrated his love to you. Then you will know what love is. You weren't put here to just do good deeds. Good deeds are never good enough. They're never good enough for God. There's no way good deeds could help us to earn our salvation or to make us good. And see, that's not the purpose for us. It's just to do good things. See, the first reason God put you here on this earth is to get to know him and to get to know his love and then for you to love him back. That's the primary goal for your life, to worship God, to know him and to love him. We do this by focusing our attention and expressing our affection to him. I've been married for, wait, I've been married to my beautiful wife, Debbie, for 16, almost 17 years. I will never forget our glorious wedding day, February 18th, 2006. Said that really fast because I wrote it down. (laughs) How would my wife feel, just imagine, If on February 18th, coming up, I gave her flowers, how would she feel? Some of you might think, well, that's so sweet, Pastor Steve. That's so kind of you. Well, what if when I gave flowers to my wife on our anniversary, I said this, Debbie, here are some flowers for you. 
I'm giving these flowers to you for three reasons. Number one, I am your husband. Number two, it is our anniversary. And number three, last point, I'm done. Husbands are supposed to give their wife flowers on, our, on their anniversary. All of the wives out here would be thrilled, right? If your husband gave you that reason and that motivation for giving you a gift, wouldn't you be pleased? No, no, no. See, <laughs> my wife is, is blessed as she knows that she is and is reminded of that she, that she is the love of my life. Second to God. That she is not an obligation, that she is not some duty of mine to fulfill. See, God doesn't want your duty. D-U-T-Y. I guess I could have said, spelled it the other way. That's true too. God doesn't want your duty. <laughs> God wants your desire. He wants your love. He wants all of you. I guess I could also say including your duty because he takes all of it. The greatest way for you and I to express our affection to God is by giving him your life. Surrendering to him. You know, there's a huge difference, isn't there, between giving and loving? Is there a difference between giving and loving? Another question. Because the reality is you can give without loving, right? <laughs> I think I've done that a few times, more than a few times. I've given without loving. But you cannot love without giving. Is a starting point for loving God. If any of you, maybe you've, you've only had distorted examples of love in your life, and I want you to, you to know that I know that that's a reality, and I know what kind of hurt that that can bring. You only have distorted definitions or examples of love in your life. And I want you to know if you're searching for true love, I encourage you to go to Jesus to trust him as your Lord, to go to his word, and to surrender your life to him. And, and then, as a starting point, I, I want you to know that as you start that journey, and starting with trusting Jesus, then I know that you will know what real love is when you decide to make that decision to trust Jesus as your Lord. See, worship is focusing our attention on God. It's expressing our affection for God. And my last point, number three, is this. Worship is, is using your abilities for God. We're going to talk about that a lot in the, in, the, in the weeks to come. But worship is using your abilities for God. Right? Loving God with all of who you are, with all your strength, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. God desires for us to serve him, and God created us to serve him. God created not only us to save us and, and to be a part of his family, but God created us to do good works, right, which he planned in advance for us to do. We see that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, that not only by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ are we saved, that it's not of ourselves, it's a work of God, it's a gift of God, but also we are God's masterpieces, created in Christ Jesus to do the good things that he created us to do. God has a purpose for you. And worshiping him means that we use all of who we are, all of what he's given us for him.
true worship of God is in spirit and in truth. It's not just about feelings and words. Yes, feelings and words are a part of our faith and our worship. We do feel things and we do use God's word and we look to the truth, but there are also very practical and visible actions that are evident in a life surrendered to Jesus, in a person that worships God above all. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. God planned for you before you were born. God planned for you before the creation of the world. And I know that that's really hard to imagine or to fathom. But he planned for you. He created you. He formed you. He saved you. And he chooses you to be a part of his family. And this means that everything we are and everything that we have, every good and perfect gift is from him. And it is his. Your life is not your own. Even though a lot of us act like we are the owners of our life. It's all God's. Therefore, we should choose to live for him. By trusting him, by obeying him, by caring about what he says and commit to doing all that he has commanded us to do. Living intentionally. Live an intentional life of God-given purpose. That's my prayer for each one of us. That we would live an intentional life of God-given purpose. And no matter how other pastors or teachers have made that term famous or not so famous, it doesn't matter. It comes from God's word. That God has a plan for us. And I pray that each one of us would experience the joy of living with God and living out his purpose for us. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Whatever it is that you are doing, do your best. And if you were doing it, and as if you were doing it directly for God. That includes your schooling, students. That includes your work, dear working people. That includes your retirement. Dear retirees, that includes your friendships and your relationship with family members. Your, that includes your words and your thoughts. Whatever it is that you do, cooking, cleaning, eating, going to the bathroom even, do it to the glory of God. Yeah, that's a little sarcastic there. Live your life for God. Use what you got from God for God. God doesn't want worship to just be a church thing, a building thing, a check-the-box thing. He wants our lives. He wants all of you to worship him with your life, right? Living sacrifices. That means no longer do we have to go find a pure animal and, and shed its blood on an altar and then offer up our, our prayers to God. That means your sacrifice day by day as a follower of Jesus, as one who's been forgiven by his blood and by faith in Jesus Christ, your sacrifice to God is to live for him. I want to end with this. I want to focus back in on Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. There's the paraphrase of, of this, this verse, this passage says this. 
take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. You see, to offer is the essence of worship. I'm offering my life to you, God. I surrender my life to you. I want you above all things. I want to follow you because I know that your way is the best way. This means that worship takes place in the seemingly ordinary and routine, mundane things of life. It's not just songs. It's not just coming into a building one day a week. Every day, all day, every day can be worshiped to God. You see, in the greatest temptation of your life and, and the worst sin that you could possibly commit is the temptation to worship something other than God, right? Idolatry. We mentioned it before. That's putting anything else above God. And you say, you might say to yourself, Pastor Steve, I don't have a problem with idolatry. I worship God. And I will tell you, yes, it is a problem. All of us are tempted by the temptation of idolatry. It's my problem too. It's the number one problem. It's the number one of the number. It's the number one product of, of our brokenness, our sin, is that that we're tempted um, to worship idols. It's it's the root behind every other one of your problems. You know, whenever you love something more than God, you're going to have chaos. You're going to have conflict. You're going to have stress and worry, and all sorts of other problems. When I love comfort more than doing the right thing, I'll always get into trouble. When I love protecting my ego more than God and, 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 and humility, I'm going to go down the wrong path. When I care about my reputation, when I care about money, when I love pleasure, when I love anything more than God, it creates all kinds of problems in this life. We know it's, it's one of the greatest temptations because it's the one that Satan pulled on Jesus, didn't he? He tried to. Satan tried to tempt Jesus. If, he, if you think about it logically, if Satan had some other more powerful way to tempt Jesus or to bring Jesus down, wouldn't he have used it? But what did Satan try to do? He tried to lie to Jesus and tempt him. He said, why don't you worship something else? See, the biggest temptation in life is always going to be to worship something else other than God. Worship someone else other than God. To give your attention, your affection, your abilities to something other than the creator who made you. The one and only true living God. But the amazing thing is this. And I will be done. If we focus our attention and we express our affection and we use our abilities for the one who made us, then God says... He will take care of everything else, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Trust me. Follow me. Follow my commands. God cares, and he delights in you every detail about you because he created you. Do you know what we're going to be doing in heaven? Those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ, do you know what we're going to do? Well, it's kind of like what I just read about the angels are doing. We're going to be worshiping God for the rest of forever. And it's not going to be boring. It's not going to be repetitive. It's going to be amazing. And the greatest mistake you could ever make in this life 
is to miss out on God's purpose for you, to reject Jesus and to not trust him as your Lord and to not allow him to forgive you of your sin. So I challenge you to make Jesus, to make God the number one goal in your life today and every day of this year that you would get to know God, to know his love, that you would worship God starting today. Let's pray. Father, we know that this is a serious issue. It's an issue of our worship, who and what we worship. And God, I pray for my friends here that, that we would all choose to worship you, God, you alone, that we would get to know you and your love. I realize that there are people here in all different stages of their spiritual journey. Some might be here for the very first time or hearing about you for the very first time. But God, I pray that you would help each of us to take the next step that we need to take today. Now, dear friend, if, if, as you continue to bow your head and close your eyes, if you've never put your trust in Jesus as your Lord, if that's your desire, if that's the next step that God is leading you to take, I pray that in your mind, in your heart right now, you would say something like this. Dear God, I wouldn't even exist if it weren't for you. Forgive me for all of my sin, all the times uh, I think and act like you don't matter. Today I realize that you made me and that you love me. And that the first purpose of my life is to, to know you and to love you and to worship you. To worship you, God. I want to worship you. Jesus, I want you to save me from my sin. And I thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the dead so that I might have eternal life. God, thank you for eternal life, this new life. God, help me to worship you all the way to heaven. God, and I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray, God, that as we are tempted, that you would strengthen us, that you would protect us, that you would refocus us and transform us and renew our minds and our hearts. God, that we would be solely devoted to you. Not money, not career, not security and comfort, but you alone. Because all of those things are only found in you. God, we are blown away by you. We thank you for loving us so much. I pray, God, that we would be a people that worships you alone. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I want to invite you to stand, dear friends. This is a time for you to respond to God. If, you, you, if God has put a next step for you to take, if he's laid it on your heart, I want you to know that there is no shame in that. There is no guilt in that. And that's why we give this opportunity every week here at Northwest to respond to God. And I invite you to come as we sing this song to talk to me and share it with me so that I can pray with you and encourage you, but also so that as, as a family, we can pray for you and encourage you as well. I'm not going to shout it out from up here what you decided or what God has laid on your heart, but I'm going to pray for you, and I want to encourage you. So as we sing this song, would you respond to God, and would you come forward, and would you share it with me, and allow me to pray for you as we sing. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to the other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.